Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host, and here we are back again talking about that longest self-imposed period of unemployment many of you will have in your lifetime. It could be 10 years. Heck, it might be 20 years. It could even be 30 or 40. It is what we call retirement. If you would like to learn more about what you can do to get safely through those retirement years, go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com. Here you're going to get access to all the tools and resources we have to help you go down the other side of the mountain. For most of us, we've spent years accumulating assets. We're going up the front side of the mountain. That's a much easier process. But now we're at the top trying to get ourselves safely down. We're going through that distribution phase. And with that, there's a lot of risks that you've got to deal with. Our goal is to be there to help you not only identify these risks, but also to help you uh, reduce and eliminate these risks from your retirement. Today, we are going to be talking about the way we approach risk in putting your plan together. And it, it is different than what is being done by the average advisor out there. And what we're finding is it's something that is working very well to help make your money more efficient, to help us match you with your money in a better way than has been done historically through much of the planning that has gone on. And to help us do this, we were able to partner up with Dr. Wade Fow. He is a top economist. He put uh, the study together that we use, the the tool that we use. He and Alex Margia, who also has a PhD, but in psychology, they put this research together that we partnered with them on to help us add the third leg to our stool. We're going to talk a little bit today about to various dimensions of risk planning. Historically, many advisors have used a one-dimensional level of risk planning. And then recently, we've seen it go to more of a two-dimensional. Today, we're going to be talking about the third dimension of that as well. And this is where Dr. Fow and Margie have come in to help us in the studies that they do in the process. So hopefully soon, we'll be able to have them on our show. They do a podcast as well, but hopefully we'll have them on our show where they can talk more about it themselves, where they can share more of the information. But I I think it's very important that you understand how risk is generally approached as people are putting plans together. The historical model of risk is looking at risk tolerance. And if you've ever worked with a financial advisor before, you've gone through a model that's helped try to determine what your tolerance for risk is. And these questionnaires can be anywhere from seven questions, which is the one we use, maybe four or five questions from other advisors, up to 20 or 30 questions to help figure out where your risk tolerance is so they can better figure out how they're going to lay out a stock bond portfolio mix. It's used primarily by financial advisors, may also be used by those in the insurance industry to help figure out what portion of your investment should be going into the bond market or moved because we use annuities and insurance index products to replace the bond market many times and portfolios to make them more effective. So it may be used by insurance agents as well to help figure out how much money they should be allocating. And as we look at this side, uh, obviously there's some benefits to that to make sure that you're not in a situation where the advisor's putting assets into the stock market at high levels and you're saying, my stomach just can't handle that. If we end up having a big downturn like we did in 2000 or 2008, I'm going to get out and I may never get back in. So there's a lot of value to this, but it also doesn't address a lot of the other issues and concerns and items that I believe need to be solved to get us where we should be from a risk tolerance standpoint. So 
Uh, risk tolerance is the first one that we look at. Again, this is being done by most advisors. The second dimension of this, which others have been using, many of them in their planning, is what is your risk capacity? So you may come in and have millions of dollars and your risk tolerance tells us that uh, you want all of your money invested in bonds or, or cash accounts, that you're not someone who wants to deal with the stock market. Well, because you've got so much money, maybe you're only spending fifty dollars or $100,000 a year, you've got so much money, your tolerance really isn't matching up to your capacity. Capacity. Obviously, you could be much more aggressive with a lot of those funds over a long-term retirement that you're never going to touch or use that would allow you to get more better rates of return on your investments to get you into a position where you could grow those assets more efficiently. So the second stool becomes this discussion of what is your risk capacity. Now, the other side of this could be where you're coming in and saying, I can handle all the risk in the world. I want 100% of my investments put in the stock market, but yet you don't have enough assets to cover your basic income in retirement. You're in a position that if you put all of that in the market and it goes down 40%, you're going to be in a trouble. You're not going to be able to get yourself out of that hole to have any other income besides Social Security, which Social Security is only intended to cover about 40% of your lifestyle costs in retirement. So you're going to be in a position where you may not be able to have the lifestyle you expect. So we've got to look at it from that side as well, saying we don't want you to get to a point that you're over risking, even though you got the tolerance for it, but you don't have the, the capacity to be able to do that. We want to make sure we're having discussions around that topic. Now, we may hit a happy medium as we go through the process, but definitely something we want to share. The third part of this is where Dr. Fowl and Margia come in, and that is to where they talk about more the attitude. They talk about more the approach, the style of what you do. And I really attribute this, if we looked at it as an analogy of how we would compare this, this is where we're really getting a customized plan. A lot of the advisors out there follow us. You have really a three-path trajectory. They're not going to the level of custom plan. First of these are those who have one product. I call it the hammer with the nail. They've got a product out there. Maybe it's an individual life insurance product. And every problem you have, they're going to try to solve it with that hammer. They're going to try to put, use that insurance policy to try to solve all the various issues that you have. And obviously, it's not a very effective way to get you to a safe and secure retirement. The next segment are those advisors out there who build track homes. If you've ever owned a track home, you know that you go into a development, they've already pretty much laid out which options you're going to have, maybe three or four various options, going to have different floor plans, going to have different bedrooms and bathrooms, those type of things, but it's already pretty set. You're not going to be able to make really any adjustments to that. And there's unfortunately a lot of advisors that follow this model where they're going out there and have their own set of guidelines that they're going to follow for every plan they put together. They're treating you as if you're the exact same as every other person that comes into your office, which we all know that's not the case. We all know that we have different preferences, we have different ways we approach things, and that we have different goals and dreams for our retirement. The next one of these is what I call the semi-custom home builder, and this is the group that has preset notions. You know, they have a general guideline, again, may have a, a, an exact square footage that they're going to have for your home. They're going to have a lot size that they're going to use, but then they allow you to start picking some of the details inside of there. Like you may be able to design the bathrooms, set them up how you want. You may be able to put the kitchen together the way you want, as long as it fits inside of this square footage. But once again, this is not putting it to a point where you're getting to make all of these decisions. And then what we're doing now by adding the, the third dimension to this is really helping you create a custom 
retirement plan, just like a custom home. I've had the experience throughout my lifetime of living in all three of these. I've also been in a situation where had individuals come in and try to fix my problem with a hammer and often, you know, that never lend up lasting. But I will tell you the chance of success, your chance for happiness with a full custom designed retirement plan or a full custom designed home is much better than any of the other options. Again, I moved into a tract home when I was younger because it fit our budget. It fit uh, the initial needs. But in the end, I was never going to stay there. And I knew that. So I ended up leaving that house and went somewhere else. And then I went into a, a custom home that was exactly what we wanted. In fact, today, I wish I were still there. We were uh, in a position where we believe God called us to do something else. So we left that. And now we're in a semi-custom home that's working very well for us. And I'm not necessarily unhappy that I'm here. But if I ever get a chance again, I'm going to build that custom home. I, I would happily go back and rebuild what we did before because we were able to pick everything from the beginning. We went out and found plants, found an architect, uh, figured out what we were going to do for the, the windows, the doors, the roof, the sides, everything inside of there, the bathrooms, the kitchens, all that was 100% picked out by us. So we were very happy when it got done. Well, what's the key to all this and how does it relate to your retirement? The more you have a say in what's going on and the more that you have a buy-in to what uh, is happening with your retirement, the higher probability that you're going to be happy and you're going to stay committed to it. And this is a big thing for making your money be efficient throughout your retirement years is you want to stay true to the course that you started. We don't want you to get into the position where you're going to back out of the recommendations that are put inside of your plan, because if you do, oftentimes your money is going to become horribly inefficient. Take, for example, uh, leading into 08, we had a lot of people who had put substantial amounts of money into the real estate market, thought that was going to be the way they were going to build the, their nest eggs for the rest of their life. Then everything collapses. Many of them could have still kept those assets and build them back up. And today they're much higher than they were back then. But many people collapsed everything they, they had. They end up, many went bankrupt. Those that had the ability to keep the homes often turned them back to the banks, walked away from those. Well, not only did they lock in those losses, many of them got scared and didn't do anything with their assets for a long period of time. So it took them a while to get the money going back active again. Some maybe never did. So they never got the growth that could come from a consistent growing asset. Now, if you were to take someone else during that period of time, have some principal protected products, other things, allowed them to build a custom home where they understood what was being done and why it was being put together, much higher probability they would stay true to the course, which is really what we want to make sure you do as you commit to your retirement because you're looking at long-term goals. You're looking at trying to solve problems that may not happen for uh, 20 or 30 years. Some of these risks aren't going to come into your retirement 20, 30 years out, maybe never, but we need to solve for those. We need to put things in place. So if we get 10 years into it, we've got a perfect tool, but all of a sudden you get scared and, and you don't find hope in the product. And so you back out. Now we've lost not only the 10-year growth period, we've lost maybe the chance to get a solution for that going forward. So what we do now is really match you up with your profile. And again, another way to look at this, any of you that have ever dieted before, I, I was very heavy as a child. My father actually used to physically beat me if I did not eat my food. So you know, this is a tough thing. You didn't eat the food that was on your plate. And I didn't put it there many times. Many times it was put on there by him, built for an adult portion. He'd put it on my plate. I didn't eat 
believed I got taken into the living room and a belt got taken across my backside. Not saying it was right. It was just the way it was. You know, my, my dad didn't know how to deal with some of these things uh, any other way. So as a result, I've struggled with my weight a little bit throughout my lifetime. And as a result, I've also had to diet at times. Well, if you were to come to me and tell me that the best diet that I could do that, that's worked extremely good for you was to go out and eat salad because of the vegetables, you could put fruit in there, a great way to, to lose weight. All of us would agree that it's a great way to lose weight. But if I were to have to eat salad without any salad dressing and that you, you've done it with hundreds of people, it's worked extremely well for all of them. This is going to work for you, Dave. It's not. I can tell you, I do not like salad without some type of dressing. I've tried it before. I've gone through it for a couple, two or three days. And by the fourth day, I'm going crazy. I'm looking for the first opportunity to get salad dressing back on that salad. So as we look at what we're doing here, trying to really do the same thing with your retirement. All of us are individual. All of us are different. Again, you look at the diet side, I'm 6'4". I'm a large guy. My wife's nowhere near that, that size. She's 5'8", much smaller. Well, if we were to go on the same diet plan, it's going to look different. She can't do as little bit of exercise as I could do based upon the size of my body and lose weight. She couldn't eat the calories that I can eat based upon the size of my body and, and still lose weight. So all of these things have got to be looked at. And from a retirement side, we look at it from really an overall main metrics. Look at this is it's called the RISA metrics, R-I-S-A. It's Retirement Income Style Awareness. Again, this was not put together by me. We've partnered with Wade and Alex to be able to provide this analysis to our clients, but the initial look at is to look at four different quadrants. Try to really figure out where you fall. The first side of this is safety first versus probability. Are you someone that really wants the safety, the security, the income? You like social security. You want products that are going to be guaranteed so you don't have to worry so much about what's going on in the market with your retirement. Are you someone that wants that or do you want more probability? Do you want to be able to have the ability to allow for higher rates of return by having less restrictions, less safety inside of there in hopes you can get a better retirement, but realize that the market goes down, it could end up going down substantially and you're going to have to make adjustments accordingly. So we look at those two first. And then the second side of this is commitment versus optionality. Are you someone who wants a commitment? Are you someone that wants a product that you may never have to look at again for another 10, 20, 30 years? When we look at many of these, it may be a, an immediate annuity, something where you're putting the money in, you know that for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live, you're going to get X dollars out of that product. Well, if you're a safety first commitment person, that may be the exact product that you would want to have. Now, on the other side of that is optionality, saying, no, I would rather have some choice in what happens on a more regular basis. I don't want it locked in for the rest of my life. I'd really like to you know, be able to see what's going on in the market, really see what's happening in my retirement, how things change, and have the ability to make adjustments accordingly. So if you're a probability optionality individual, you're saying most of my retirement assets probably should be in the stock market because I'm willing to take the risk. I want the freedom to be able to make choices along the way. So depending on the quadrants, whether you're a probability optionality, which again is more stock market, or safety first commitment, which is, is more guaranteed income coming out of maybe even immediate annuity versus safety first optionality saying, hey, I really want safety, but I want some choices. That's maybe a bond ladder to get you where you want. Or the other end, that is probability option or probability uh, commitment saying, okay, I want some probability. I still want some market upside, but I really want to commit to it. That may be a variable annuity. So again, depending on where you fall, 
And also understand that your spouse, if you're married, may fall in different quadrants. We're trying to match those together. Say, okay, based upon which quadrant you're in, these type of products are going to work better for you based upon your emotions, your attitude, your approach to retirement, because they're going to help you stay true to the course. They're going to help make sure that you stay true when things go bad because you'll have the the commitments inside of your retirement to get you to that point. So that's the main matrix. That's the main thing that's looked at. But there are some secondary factors. I want to go through these as well so you understand what they are. And again, I really hope we can get Wade or Alex on the show because they're going to be able to talk about the years and years of research that they went through to get to the point that they were able to put this together, to get a, a layout where they could consistently determine the attitude, approach, and style of retirees and the individuals taking these assessments as they approach the retirement. The secondary factors, the first of these is technically liquid versus true liquidity. So what are we talking about here? Technically liquid is where you've got a bucket of assets and, and you're putting them all together. And if something happens, you're fine to just pull the assets out, out of that big, large bucket. You're going to put everything together. You have a long-term care event. You have an emergency. You're just going to pull the money out of that bucket. The true liquidity is where you're saying, I really want to segment. Uh, if I'm going to have a long-term care event, I want to have a solution for that that's segmented for it. If I'm going to have an emergency, I want an emergency fund bucket that, that's segmented for that. So it helps guide us in how we approach the solutions we're going to put into your retirement. The next of these is front versus back loaded. Do you want to spend more money in the front end of your retirement, or would you rather live a less than ideal retirement in the beginning and have, make sure you had more money in the back end? Now, most people, I will tell you, are front end loaded because we realize as we get further into our retirement, we're going to spend less and less money. So there's not a lot of sense behind having high income during those later years, having it at that point. But again, some people are, are willing to do that. Some people want that. They're saying, hey, I'll really sacrifice in the beginning. I just want to ensure I never run out. I don't want to get to a point where I run out of the, those assets or that income that's coming in. Third secondary factor is time-based versus perpetuity. What are we talking about here? Time-based is saying, I'd like a solution for a period of time. I want income to go with my Social Security, but I only want it till age 84. And we have this with people we work with that are saying, I just don't think I'm going to live that long. And if I do, you know, the chances are so small, I'm not overly concerned about what happens. I'll still have some Social Security. Yeah, life might not be that great, but I just don't think I'm getting there. So I want time segment. I want to make sure that I have the income for this period of time. The other side is, hey, I want to make sure if I live to 110, I got income till 110. I don't want to ever feel like I have to adjust my lifestyle. And then the last of these is accumulation versus distribution. Are you someone that wants to accumulate a bunch of assets for a legacy? Uh, again, happy to uh, have more asset-based uh, approach to retirement. Or are you someone who's about distribution saying, hey, I'm okay to distribute out the money during my lifetime. That's why I saved it for. I was really doing it for myself so I could have a good retirement with me and my spouse or whoever you're spending that retirement with. I'm completely fine to do that. If I have a legacy after, okay, but uh, that's not important to me. And then the next segment, so again, this is a, a four-segmented uh, analysis. We look at the main factors, we look at the secondary factors, and then the third part of this is looking at the four concerns that we all have for retirement. First of these being longevity. Are you someone that is concerned about longevity? Are you someone, again, that wants that money? You're more back-end based, or you want that money to last as long as you do? Some of the people we work with, that's very important to them. Others don't really care. I just don't really care about the future. I'm more concerned about the, the, the present, where I'm at. Next one of these is lifestyle. 
Where do you fall from a lifestyle standpoint? Do you want to maintain the lifestyle that you have? Or are you willing to take a smaller cost of living, take less money because it allows you to get more longevity or a legacy or something else? So we look at the lifestyle and how that plays in and what you're looking at. Next one is liquidity. How important is that? That I have liquidity of assets to solve potential problems that I have. Some people, not a big issue. They don't have a lot of things they think they're going to have to spend money on, and many of them don't. But then there's others who have maybe a real estate property that they may have to put a lot of money in. Maybe they've got a very expensive house for the income they have. And they're saying, if I've got to put a roof on, that's going to be fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 just for the roof itself. I got to go through and remodel some bathrooms or change it because I'm having a, a, an event where I can't get around like I used to. I may be spending $100,000 to do remodels. So they want the liquidity to be able to solve those issues. And the last one of these is legacy. How, how important is the legacy to you? in regards to to the assets and the money you have. Are you someone like me that's got two disabled children and you want to leave a large legacy to them to be able to make sure they get taken care of and their lives uh, are similar to what they're experiencing now? Or are you someone that that has no one to give the money to? In fact, you, th you think, and many times people think, hey, I'm not even going to have anything to give anyway. I, I don't even want to think about giving my assets. Well, for almost everyone, you're going to have something left. Now, I don't know what it will be. Some of you will be income and assets. Others, it's going to be your home. Others will be personal property. But most people have something left. And if you can figure out what you're going to do with it, great. But if it's not important, we're going to design our planning substantially different than we would if legacy was a, an important aspect to you. The fourth segment of this, the last one is the implementation preferences. And I love this because it helps us better understand how you interact with us as, as advisors. And there's really four segments to this. When we look at it, we've got the delegator, someone that's saying, hey, look, uh, I find the advisor extremely useful. I don't find myself that good at doing this. I don't want to spend my retirement going out and dealing with retirement. I'd rather just tell, let you do it. I'd rather just make sure that you're watching everything. Keep me informed, but I don't want to get that involved. The other quadrant, there's four. One of the other ones is a collaborator saying, look, I, I find the advisor very useful, but I also find that I have a lot of skills. I enjoy looking at the market. I enjoy following uh, annuities or other types of things. I, I want to look at long-term care, the, uh, anything else, whatever it may be. I want to be involved in my social security decisions. That's a collaborator saying, hey, I want you to help me but I also want to be a big part of it. I want to make sure we're having a good open communication as we go through the process. The third one of these is self-directed, where you're saying, really don't see a lot of value to an advisor, and I think I'm really good at what I do. So this is someone that's really going to probably be handling the, the retirement themselves. And sometimes as an advisor, better to find this out early than whether you get into a relationship and they get very frustrated because the relationship isn't going how they expect. Now, that doesn't mean if you're someone who is self-directed that you should never have an advisor. You may need an advisor to teach you the things you don't know. They still could play a very important role. But if I know that that's the type of person you are going into the relationship, we can have a much different conversation. The next one of these is a validator where they're saying, look, I'm pretty willing to do this myself. I, I'm pretty efficient, but I'd like you to validate what's going on. And again, a lot of times our risk-based plans themselves, that's what they are, is to really allow people who have been doing their own planning to have an expert come in, map every everything out and validate the decisions they've had. And this happens all the time. We'll have people come to us and say, I think I've done a really good job, just not sure I need an expert to look at these areas and let me know if I am. And sometimes they've done a great job. They're really on track of where they should head. Other times, not so much. We start realizing that they made key mistakes 
that don't seem that big, but over a 20, 30 year retirement are going to be very, very huge. I mean, if you look at an airplane that's flying, you know, if they get off track just a little bit, it may not seem that big of an issue, but you take that airplane clear across the, the world, all of a sudden they completely missed their mark. They completely uh, did not end up where they're supposed to. This happens a lot in retirement. Something as simple as making a mistake on social security doesn't seem that big. 30 years later could end up being very detrimental to the overall retirement. So I hope this helps you better understand that the three dimensions of planning, we call it our ACT, risk assessment. Again, the attitude or your approach, that's the A. We look at your capacity, that's the C. And then your tolerance, that's the T. So we've got a three-dimensional plan. Once we get all that information, we can do a pretty good job because we are independent advisors to use the universe to get all the products and the tools and all the things we need because there are different solutions for different people to be able to put it inside there. So again, if you're someone that wants a, a nice big country home that has lots of acreage, we're gonna be able to build that for you. If you're someone that's living in New York and you want a big high rise, beautiful apartment, we're gonna be able to build it to you because we have access to all the tools. We don't have the restrictions of being captive to any company that allows us the freedom to do that. Or, or from a diet side, if you're someone that likes the Atkins diet, or you like the Mediterranean diet or whichever one better fits who you are compared to that side, the same thing. We're able to get very food products if you looked at it from a diet side that's going to meet your personality better so you have a better chance of success. Because remember, especially from those from a diet standpoint, you get the wrong diet. It's generally not just the fact that you fall off the wagon. Most people do. If you've only lost a few pounds, chances are you're going to gain more back than you lost. So it becomes even a bigger problem if you fall off the wagon than if you had never gotten onto the the diet program to begin with. So we're trying to keep that from happening. We're working very hard to make sure we're matching you up with your money. We call it matching your money with your profile. Who are you as a person? How are we going to do that? And that's really part of what we do. I, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. We love the process we go through. It is different than it's being done. Not a lot of advisors out there yet that have jumped on to what Wade and Alex are teaching and started using it effectively. And especially from a downside of retirement distribution saying, and this is not accumulation where we're really just worried about inflation, you know, maybe some tax rate risk, some of these small things. When we get into retirement, we got to start worrying about social security, Medicare, long-term care, elder abuse. We got to worry about the, the market dropping taxes. Got to worry about what our distribution rates are going to be. All these things change. And this allows us to better address not only all those risks, take a risk-based approach, but do it with our uh, three-legged stool, our three-dimensional ACT planning or ACT planning that we want you to take action on. My name is Dave Hall. I have been your host. I look forward to seeing each of you again next week where we'll come back together and further break down some of the various risks that you're going to face during those retirement years. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.